Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the IA Cast. All right, with me today, we have a new group for a new year. This is our first episode of the year. It's really exciting to be back. And we have some exciting news to tell you about uh, this episode. So uh, with me, I have a, a few returning folks. We have Lauren Flinner. Hello, everyone. And Michael Babcock. Hello. And a new face to the podcast, Marty Sobo. Hey, y'all. All right. So let's go ahead and start talking about the first op- uh, item on our list, and that's uh, some changes. We're bringing back the IACast IA network in a big way uh, by adding a new show and hopefully some returning shows will be coming back. Um, so we're adding the Unmute Presents podcast. M- Marty and Michael, would you guys like to talk about uh, what you guys do- are doing with Unmute and, and what that looks like? Take it away, Marty. Sure. So the first thing is we actually do a live show in the ACB community every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Western. And what we do is people come and they ask us their tech questions and we try our best to get their questions answered there in the live show. If not, then we'll do some research and either get back to them or uh, connect with them over email. And then once that's done, we edit down the show, and then we post it in about an hour after the show goes off the air. And then we're also doing two other shows in the week. One is kind of a long form, say 20 to 40-ish minutes on random different topics where accessibility and technology cross, as well as a education short tip uh, or uh, quick fast and dirty type of uh, thing on um, Sundays. So we have Tuesday, we have Thursday, and we have Sunday. So, Michael, you want to say anything else there? Sure. So the only other thing I'll add is we do our quick demo cast on Sundays, uh, demoing things, which I inadvertently apparently had stolen from Michael. So, you know. Forgive me for that. And then uh, we are we have actually recently, as of today, about 20, 30 minutes before the recording of this episode, published a uh, hot off the press podcast that was about seven minutes long with an announcement from Blind Chill. Excellent. And, you know, it, it kind of works out because I believe that you guys are calling those demo casts, right? The short ones. Is that is that yep. correct? So it, it kind of makes sense that we're all going to be on the same podcast network here at IACast. So it's really exciting. The IACast website is coming back in a big way. We have a lot of our content on there now. Uh, we even have a Mastodon uh, way that you can subscribe, IACast at IACast.net on Mastodon. Um, it's pretty pretty neat. We also have our iaccessibility.social server that you can sign up at and become a member. So that's pretty neat as well. Uh, in fact, I believe Unmute Presents is over there. Uh, 
I understand it, right? <laughs> yeah, it's there. Uh, we did create an account. That's about all we did so far. We need to sort of get it updated with all the information. We are there. Uh, we'll get our stuff updated. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, we're there. Just give us a little to catch up to everyone else and get some current updated info on there. And do you guys have, for Unmute, do you guys have a Twitter account? We actually do not. Uh, we're needing to kind of do the next phase of what we're going to decide to do for all the social media and all of that stuff. Well, and that, it, it's very good that we have Lauren here because, you know, Lauren's really good at all that kind of stuff. So definitely. Um, <laughs> yep. The big kind of news topic I want to talk about that I feel like this means a lot to a lot of people. I'm not sure how it affects you guys, but, uh, you know, Microsoft Soundscapes was a big app on the App Store, and it was very useful throughout the uh, its lifetime. But it's now been made open source, and it's now uh, available on GitHub. And I believe it uh, left the App Store and will stop working as of June or July of this year. I don't remember the exact date. Um, so uh, what are y'all's thoughts of this? Does, it, does this bother you? Do, do you use the app or is it going to be a big loss that it's gone? I'll say um, I actually only tried the app uh, once or twice. It was pretty cool when I tried it. I didn't get to use it for too long, but it was uh, pretty cool. It seemed like something that was going to stick around for a while. I've talked to other people who have used it and it seems to get a lot of positive reviews. People enjoy using it. Going uh, the way of open source always has its ups and downs, in my opinion. Uh, if you get a good group working on it, then, you know, they keep it going and they listen to the community with adding updates, adding features that people would want or taking things away maybe that people don't want. Uh, and they're fixing bugs somewhat constantly. The flip side of that is maybe that doesn't happen and then it sort of just sits and there isn't a whole lot of interest and it ends up, you know, just kind of going by the wayside. So I hope that uh, they keep it going and that people uh, continue to develop it, work on it and uh, keep it out there. We're just going to have to see how it goes. Yeah. I actually use soundscape for quite a while um, to get oriented to the campus that I'm in for college and it was extremely helpful, um, so I'm kind of sad to see it go open source. I know it could come with some improvements, but I don't know. I really liked it. I'm really curious to see where it goes, though, um, with it becoming open source, so we'll see what happens. It definitely has a lot of potential, so yeah, uh, hopefully they'll continue working on it. I used Soundscape and am fond of Soundscape and, and like to use it. But I haven't been using it as much as I did in the past. My favorite feature was the ability to drop a point. So if I needed to cross a road in the middle of a block, I could easily do that. Um, but yeah, so so I'm intrigued to see where the open sourceness of Soundscape goes. Right. And I want to give a quick shout out to our chat. Uh, we do have Taylor Arndt here in the chat. So uh, welcome, Taylor. Um, and, you know, she said that she's mad about that because she, uh, I know Taylor um, uses, you know, uh, soundscapes and she says, y'all know. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, it's 
I've used it. I've seen it be used for training at different blindness centers like Chris Cole and places like that. So it's kind of a shame to see it, you know, go open source. The problem with it going open source is they have removed parts of the app that are proprietary that they're using, um, like for open the way that it gets OpenStreetMaps data in um, and converts it to a database and things like that. So there is backend stuff there that can be used, but you dependencies are going to be required for it. So it's going to be kind of a pain to um, get that running on the back end. I've been able to get the app running on my phone and I went through the whole onboarding process, which was really cool. But as soon as you get done, it crashes. And I looked at the Xcode logs and it says that it was, it crashed because it did not find anything from uh, the server. Now, what's interesting is I would have figured they'd have some kind of error handling in that because if if the app would have just crashed the way it did, if it had no internet, uh, you know, in production in the app store, and I would really love to test. Well, I don't know if I can test it now because um, I didn't download it. So I don't. I wonder if that's really that big of a bug that they just did not do error checking on if the URL was valid. That's very interesting. I would love to test this because I actually have the, the app installed, so I'll have to check into it. Yeah, turn like completely shut down the app, turn on airplane mode, and uh, uh, see if it crashes after a certain point. Or you know, maybe they they make it maybe it works once it syncs up for the first time. And I I develop apps that do that as well. They once they sync for the first time, they can be used offline. But any time before that, um, they have issues. So it's interesting stuff. So, um, you know, I, I think, and, you know, if you guys know folks that are in development that do this kind of navigation work, we would love to hear from you so we can see if somebody can help us build back soundscapes. Uh, you know, I don't mind supporting the, the, uh, the backend servers and things like that if we can get help building it from the community. So that would be great. And, you know, there are other apps out there. I just feel like uh, Soundscapes had something unique that, um, you know, other apps didn't have. So that's just, you know, kind of my views on that. It's very, you know. I would love to hear what everybody else is using so uh, people can chime in and let us know what they're using. It'd be interesting to see what other people are using. Um, maybe there's something we haven't heard of, or maybe someone's using something in a way that uh, we don't know about. So yeah, that'd be cool to see what other people are uh, doing. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I know some people use blind square, some people use um, just Google maps and, and different things. So, uh, and you know, what would be really neat, you know, is, um, and we could talk about this another time, but it'd be really neat if Microsoft takes what they've learned in soundscapes and build it into something bigger in a big, in a different way, kind of like yeah. what they're looking at doing with uh, what has been done with chat GPT into Bing. And if folks don't know, chat GPT is this chat bot. You can type whatever into, and it will give you a result or a response and you can even build applications and things with it. So um, there's so many possibilities that we just don't know what the future is going to look like. And that's, what's amazing. That's why we're all here on this show today to predict our future. But before that. Right. Exactly. (laughs) You could tell Michael's been in podcasting for a while. Uh, (laughs) So um, we're going to take a quick break and talk about something that's 
you know, close to me as I work for them and, you know, build their app and use it here at my home. And that's way around, you know, way around is a great uh, app service and product. So if you haven't heard of way around way around is a uh, app you could download on your phone, just search for a way around tag and scan, and you could use it to tag things and label items around your house or apartment or business or office, wherever you are. And with way around, you can, um, it's kind of similar to the pin friend, but different where you can scan, um, items and it will tell you what they are. And you could put as much or as little information on that tag as you want. You're not limited to space. You do not use your voice. You can, as, as long as you can text on an iPhone or an Android phone, you can create a way tag. So really excited to, to be able to share with you guys that, you know, that it's out there. Um, it's an amazing app, um, and I'm fortunate enough to get to work on it and use it. So, you know, check out WayAround, really great app and service. So, I love uh, all the different size tags that uh, WayAround makes for all different kinds of um, different scenarios. So, for example, there are smaller little round ones for something like, you know, medication bottles. Mm-hmm. You know, there's ones for food. There's cans. They have all different kinds of sizes. So if you're unsure and you've never tried before, I would definitely recommend the demo pack. That gives you uh, kind of a one tag of every tag they make, mm-hmm. and you can see them the all, pack. test them all, mm-hmm. try them all. Yeah, starter pack. So definitely, if you're wanting to uh, see how how you can best use it, get the starter pack, give it a try. You get one of every tag in that mm-hmm. pack, and that's a good way to kind of give you a, a, a good start. And you can get those at wayaround.com or atguys.com. That um, unlimited, pretty much, virtually unlimited or extended details that you can provide on a way tag is amazing. Uh, is is Markdown supported? Because I know you can format the uh information you add, but that means you could add a recipe or important information for ingredients or even a, a a list of recipes separated by heading based on specific seasonings or ingredients that you have. And then you can add to that. And it could be your own personal little cookbook that you just scan away tag on one of your ingredients. And it says, hey, you could you could cook one of these five different things. So I don't know if we support, I don't think we support Markdown. You might be able to put HTML in there, but I have not tried it. I know um, you can do something because you can build out lists and stuff. So in headings. We do have where you could add different blocks. So you could add, you know, a heading basic, we call them uh, uh, fields and things like that. So you can just add these different fields, like a heading um, lists and things like that. So that all is supported. So. But yep, if you want to check that out, wayaround.com, seven different types of, of tags, stickers, buttons, magnets, and clips. So check those out. All right. So um, down to the important part of the show, the part that I'm sure everybody's been waiting for. It's to talk about uh, the technology for 2023. We are just starting the year. And so I hope everybody's had a great holiday season and great new year. And there's so many new ideas that are going to be coming out you know laws are changing rules are changing apple may have to be changing um you know this might be the year of the usbc iphone everyone it might be the year of usbc airpods Uh, we could see a change in at least on the apple side 
Um, would, does anybody have any thoughts, at least on the Apple side of things? Like what, what would you like to see? I, I have some thoughts. I think we're all looking at this wrong. And up until the end of 2021, it makes sense why we all thought USB-C is going to be the answer. But uh, recently, the Qi uh, Consortium announced Qi 2, which means that MagSafe charging abilities will be able to come to Android um, later on this year. I think instead of us seeing a USB-C iPhone, we're going to get that completely portless iPhone that had been rumored for a while. And I'd be interested in that, especially if I could use one feeling around here on my desk. And this is a ridiculously cluttered and and (laughs) horrible desk. And it's a stand (laughs) desk and I'm sitting more than I'm standing. But I'd love to have just one thing to plug in to charge my devices because honestly i'm never charging my airpods while i'm charging my phone while i'm charging my watch usually i'm charging one of those devices uh, at a time because i charge my watch when i go take a shower and get ready for bed then i put my phone on its charger and i take my watch off and my airpods get charged when i can't figure out why they're not working so i uh, am never charging the same apple device for myself and and yeah, so I'm I'm intrigued to see where we'll go with that. That's my prediction for Apple stuff. I would love to see Apple change all of their charging ports to USB-C. Yes. Um, I think that, first of all, it has more of a utilitarian uh, ability to it where USB-C does more than just charge. You can transfer data. You can plug in other devices, hubs, things like that. And I would love, love, love to just have one cable that would charge it all. So if I only bring one or two cables and it's just a USB-C cable and then either, you know, a battery or, you know, a USB-C wall charger, and I know that that's going to charge all of my devices and I'm not going to have multiple different cables to do different things, to me, that would be really awesome. Uh, I know that... The Qi charging thing is really uh, a great way to charge stuff, but it doesn't always work 100%. And depending on what you have, it can still charge really slow. So I don't think, at least now, it's going to be the be-all, end-all. So I'm going for USB-C across all of the devices would be my choice. I don't know that I'm ready for a portless iPhone just yet. (laughs) (laughs) I would agree. I I would definitely agree. I will dream about it. I probably won't get it, but I'll dream about it. That's all I have to say on that one. (laughs) You know, to that, though, I don't know that all of the iPhone... I think the biggest predictions that I've been hearing is that the the standard iPhones will get um, no ports. But your pro models will. And the reason is is that they need that fast transfer speed to get that that video and raw data off of the iPhones. Um, and that's the main reason for USB-C because, you know, Lightning is still USB 2.0, which is really, I mean, Lightning is about 10 years old or more. And we're, we're at that point where when you're taking these high-quality videos and, and uh, recordings, uh, it takes longer to get it off the iPhone than it does to do anything else, and that's kind of a problem. <laughs> well, here's something to think about. You know, if we're talking about transferring high-resolution video and photos, why not do Thunderbolt? 
because Thunderbolt charges, it transfers data faster than USB-C, and it also transfers video. Right. So think of what you could do with your phone if you had a Thunderbolt port on it. That'd be pretty cool. Well, and, and Thunderbolt is actually the same uh, port as a USB-C. So the, and that's kind of the problem with the USB-C standard. That's why a lot of people are, you know, kind of negative about USB-C is a, a USB port can, USB-C port can be USB-C, Thunderbolt uh, 2, 3, or 4. It could be, you know, um, hold this much wattage. It could do this or that or be, you know. Um, so that's kind of the big confusion about USB-C in, in its own self is what does that port actually do? And does the cable that you're using support everything that you want it to do? Uh, like some cables will not charge your laptop, but they'll charge an iPad. And some cables will charge a laptop or some of them will charge an even bigger laptop. So there's so many things that go into USB-C that a lot of people just don't ha- understand it's like, you know, I, I typically just use Apple USB-C cables because I know they're going to work for the best thing that they're, they're going to do. So, again, it comes down to, uh, I think that for the standard user, they would rather just use the Qi 2 charger because they're not going to be pulling all that data, but a user that's using a Pro phone uh, would. So I could see them just putting the, the USB-C on, uh, on those uh, pro phones. But what about um, on the Android side is, you know, one of the things that I've been hearing a lot about is the um, the Pixel tablet. And does anybody find, you know, think that that'll be pretty interesting this year or is it just, eh? So I've never been a larger form factor user. I've tried to use the iPad. I've, and it's just never really stuck with me. So to me, the Pixel tablet which is a real thing like uh google announced it uh io i think of 22 maybe 21 but i think it was 22 and they i think are going to do some interesting things with it but i won't buy one and probably won't use one i still kind of feel that android's kind of in the wild wild west still uh that would be probably my frustration with android is you know, you have all these different manufacturers and they take the Android operating system and they change it around to whatever each individual company feels that their look and feel should be and how they think things should work. And then you have different versions of the operating system out there and every different phone at every different model gets uh, a different version. They're not always updated at the same time. It just really turns into the wild, wild west. Uh, I would love to see there be more of a standard. I would say if I was going to go Android at all in any way, it would be a Pixel only because of the raw Android operating system. And because it's made by Google, at least you know that you're going to always be on whatever the most current update will be at the time if you're in somewhat of a current model phone. So, I don't know that I would ever use one. Um I think it would just, I would use it for a while and then have fun with it for a little while. And then it would just sit on my desk and very partial to my devices, <laughs> but I would be curious to get my hands on one and see what it looks like and play with it. Yeah. It really uh, surprises me how they get away with having the features that they have and the quality that they have for such a low price point. I mean, you're talking uh, one of the most, uh, 
more current models, I think is a 6A, which is the recommended for a regular basic user who wants a little bit of everything. And it comes in at around $350, I believe. And that's far cheaper than most other phones in its same category. So that's one good thing about it. I don't know how they get it that low, but they do. So I got to give them props there. Yeah, it just depends on what they do. Sometimes they make the casing, you know, like the, with the phones in cheaper or, you know, they cut corners in different places. You know, as far as the tablets, you know, I figured um, I went with a, uh, I got a Samsung Android phone this year for testing and things like that for my for my work. Um, and I like the Samsung experience a little better. They do take a little longer to get updates, but they, they do get them now a lot faster than they used to. But they have their own launcher and things like that. Um, so I ended up picking up a, a Samsung tablet, uh, S8 Plus, and it's a, actually a very nice tablet. Um, does it beat the iPad? No, but it does beat the iPad when Apple decides to break uh, magnification zooming gestures for like three months. Um, <laughs> so that was, you know, I like to have both. And I figured, you know, the Samsung has some of the best hardware. It comes with an S Pen to try that out. Um, so I picked one, picked up one of those and I really like it for an Android tablet. And, you know, that's kind of the big problem with Android is they have not focused on, on tablets. They've been focusing so much on Chromebooks. And I think those are kind of slowing down in production and they're looking to, you know, Google can't make up its mind whether it wants to be here or there. So they keep just switching tablets, Chromebooks, what are we going to do? And so they can't keep things going. Um, you know, they, they kill more projects than they create, it, it seems like. So, um, you know, it's just, you don't know how long this Pixel tablet will be around, and that's another issue. But you know that Samsung, they've been making tablets through the whole time. So, um, you know, companies like that will always be making tablets, even if they aren't the best uh, devices. Samsung's also involved in some interesting things that we've kind of seen and they've partnered with things so uh with different organizations one of my desire slash tech predictions for 2023 is better ai and we're kind of already seeing this with the chat gpt which is all good uh and and that's awesome but ai doesn't just stay there samsung announced that they're working with a company uh that is producing what looks like some smart glasses to help augment uh people with sight loss not like the envision glasses but to help provide a a clear viewpoint uh, or a clear perspective for you to be able to see through and that's probably being used by AI. There was the organization that I admittedly can't remember the name of out of Canada that's releasing a um, headset that is for augmented reality to be able to provide information for blind or sight impaired individuals while uh, trying to get around. Uh, and then lastly, one thing that was literally just announced, and this is interesting, I'm going to show you guys this here in a moment, uh, if everything works right. But one of the things that was just announced is Apple is moving to using text-to-speech for reading some books. So that way they can provide more books to individuals and get it done faster by using text-to-speech. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try something live, and we're going to see if we can hear this. Trees had materialized ahead of us. So that's one voice, and that actually sounds pretty clear. But I'm going to go ahead and go over here and grab uh, one of these other voices here. We would walk to the end of the beach to find our favorite constellation, 
And I'm going to do one more quick demo um, of these, and let's see if this works. In good sense in falling back when cold reason... So the two male voices sounded uh, uh, kind of similar. Uh, I'm interested to hear how they'll sound at higher rates of speed, but that definitely is... One of the things that intrigues me is how is AI going to be used to augment things that we already have? Uh, I am not fond of text-to-speech audio description. Uh, that is not something I'm fond of. I love the fact that I have it and that I can use it, but it is never mixed properly and is very jarring, especially to someone who's not comfortable with audio uh, description, and then you go and use a text-to-speech. If we start using one of these voices like this, I think that could open a lot more possibilities for increasing audio description and, uh, uh, of course, getting access to more books, too. Michael, was that, would... was that last voice there? Are you, are you sure that was text? That sounded like Ray Porter who did the Bobaverse books. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it's text-to-speech. It's, it's on their website. You can go look at it. But, yeah, yeah, pretty good, pretty good quality, though. Yeah, I was uh, – wait a minute. I've heard that voice before, but I guess not. Wow. So I they... think – oh, go ahead. I think it would sound uh, – Good for short form stuff. I don't know unless you found a really good voice or they improved just a little bit. I don't know if you could read a whole novel like that. They still sound a little robotic, but we'll have to see how it goes. And and that's interesting you say that, Marty. And for listeners and viewers, I'm going to get a little personal here. Marty lost sight a lot later in life. I was born blind, so I grew up on on the text-to-speech and reading myself books with eloquence and other voices. And to me, this is like, yeah, you can you can barely tell, but man, this is a lot better than some other screen readers. <laughs> so another thing that I think is interesting that is always in the news is the discussion of all of these processors, you know, Intel, AMD, Apple, uh, and, and, and how these things work. And the rumors is that there was going to be a M2 Pro, M2 Max, and M2 Extreme. And, you know, all of the companies are out there trying to compete with Apple on these processors. Do you guys think that anybody is going to come close yet? I think someone, maybe not this year, but I think someone's going to eventually catch up to what Apple is doing. When I render audio projects on the Mac, it is the best experience that I've ever had because of how quickly it's done and how efficiently it's done. But going from the M1 to the M2, from what I have heard, has not been a wasn't a huge jump, which is to be expected. They made the huge jump to the M processors. Um, I don't know how. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Michael, isn't an M1 Pro or M1 Max in some instances more efficient than an M2? Well, the 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 way that it works and the M if you had an M1 device, like just an M1 Air or a Pro, and you jump up to an M2 Air or a Pro, you're going to get a lot better performance on that chip. And the way it was explained to me, and Rene Ritchie told this very well, he said Think of it as you're driving an 18-wheeler. That's your M1. You get the M1 Pro, and you have four 18-wheelers that are driving. You They're driving all the same speed, but you have more capacity to go at one time. And then the M1 Max, you get you know eight 18-wheelers, and then the M1 Ultra, you got 16. So you can bring a lot of stuff really quickly you know, at one time, but still the same speed. 
Now with the M2, you can that one 18 wheeler is moving faster than the 18 wheelers on the M1, but ah. you just have the, the the less capacity that you could carry at one time. When the M2 Pro and M2 Max comes out, that's where we're going to really see it on those high end computers. I think that the big issue is the regular day to day person who is doing all the typical day-to-day stuff, email, browsing the web, mm-hmm. you know, writing documents, music, you know, even if they're doing some basic photo and video stuff. Uh, as a majority, the huge jump from Intel to M1 was massive. You know, you have uh, the technology of not needing fans, or if you do need a fan, the fan is only coming on you know, in certain scenarios, which is not very often, these processors run really, really cool, which is great. But like I said, for the average person, you know, you're going to see that huge jump in the initial beginning um, just because they're so much faster and the technology is so new that you're just going to see the performance of your computer overall so fast, it doesn't even compare to what you had previous to the M1 processor. But now that you have that, going from the M1 to the M2 is not going to be that different because the normal day-to-day person isn't pushing the processors enough to really warrant that extra power. Even if you're using an M1 or, for example, like an M1 Pro, still, the average person is not going to see how much faster it is doing the basic day-to-day stuff. So the only people who are going to see this huge difference in processor speed are people who are doing huge rendering tasks and things like that. Otherwise, the day-to-day person's not really going to notice that much difference. Or unless you're gaming. I actually did see on the M1 Air... Um, I was playing Minecraft on the highest setting. It the the game actually made that machine crash, which I thought was interesting. Uh, but now keep in mind that was on the highest setting. Now on the M2 Air, it runs like a dream. So it's very interesting, you know what? Uh, now, you know the on back when that was the case, it did not have a native port um, of Minecraft, and now it does. So that could also be a difference too. But it's just very interesting just to see where things are uh, just a year or two later whenever they come out with the new machines. Um, and I think we're going to keep seeing that, like, some things are just going to work better, some things, you know, more efficiently. Um, but I, I do think that Apple's two-year transition has taken them a little longer than two years, which is really interesting because we do, still don't have the modular Mac Pro yet. Um, so I'll be interested to see. That, you know, I have um, a gaming laptop sitting next to me. Actually, it's on the, on, the, on, the, on the desk and my Mac sits on top of it. And that way I could just switch between the two whenever, you know, I'm done with work. I can just move over to gaming. Um, but it's very interesting that uh, they're starting to use efficiency cores and uh, performance cores, but that thing still runs really hot. Do you guys think we'll see... Um, the performance we get like on like the x86, like Intel um, main boards, or do you think that's going to come with uh, on the ARM side like Apple has? I think it'll be on the ARM side. Um, I think that the other companies, Intel, AMD, uh, will get there. 
Um, but by the time they get there, Apple's going to be so far ahead of the game at that point that it's going to be interesting to see what the differences are going to be. I personally believe that AMD probably will get there first um, before Intel does and probably uh, a little bit better. AMD with their Ryzen processors were killing it. They were blowing AMD out of the water already for a few years before even the M1 came out. And so I think that uh, AMD is prepared already to sort of take that second place position. I think that when AMD really broke ground with their Ryzen processors, they were so far ahead of Intel. I think that Intel kind of got caught, you know, uh, in a precarious position because, you know, they've been struggling to try and keep up with AMD once they release those Ryzen processors and the Ryzens, they just keep coming out with a better, faster processor that's just outdoing Intel pretty much in every scenario. And then you've got Apple that came out with these M1s a couple of years ago. And I think that Intel's really struggling to try and pivot and figure out what exactly they're going to do and how they're going to get there. So we're going to really have to pay attention and see what happens. But uh, AMD has just announced actually some new processors that have come out that are supposed to be super fast, super powerful, run really cool, and be that competitor to the M1. And so we'll see how this all uh, plays out. Mm-hmm. So do you guys think we'll see any, um, you know, the like right now I'm using the AirPods Max. Do you guys think we'll see any of the... Uh, of those or some new audio equipment this year from Apple or others. Oh, I'd I love so. to see that. That would be amazing. What would you like to see in the new uh, Macs if they were to come out? I think that'd be the next ones to come out. What would you like to see in them? I would like to see some better. They them upgrade the noise cancellation to the AirPods Pro 2 and just improve on the transparency, kind of do what they did with the AirPods Pro 2 with that as well. And then, Maybe some more battery power. I always for that. And then I would love to have a, if the device is dead, that you could plug in a cable and it would work while it was not powered. I don't think that's going to happen, but that's a dream. So those were my four things, my top four. So you hit it right out of the park. I'll add USB C for charging instead of lightning. Yes. Oh, yeah, that too. So I think that uh, it would be great to see new Mac, see what they come out with and see what kind of updates they give it. Uh, My only thing about them is the price point is so high that the majority of people can't afford them. Uh, There's a lot of other competitors out there that have mostly the same features and are not nearly the cost. So I just think the barrier to entry on those is... um, really heavy on the price. So it'd be great if they can find a way to bring the price down somewhat, but we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, right. that's the biggest hurdle for for a lot of people is the barrier to entry. I think with a lot of Apple products in general. Um, so it'd be cool to see some more, not even outside of, um, you know, audio. I'd love to see some of their other, other products kind of the barrier to entry kind of shrink a little bit as well. Yeah. 
Now, I'm not sure, but on the Beats line, which is owned by Apple, like on the studio uh, headsets, do they have that same chip in there? Or do they have like the Apple chip inside those? Or are those still just straight Bluetooth? They have the Apple chip now. So if you were to get like the Beats Studio, then they have the same chip and they have the noise cancellation and all that stuff, right? They usually have a little bit less than what mm-hmm. the Apple devices do. Um, they're pretty close, but they always are missing some aspect that makes them as expensive as Apple devices. If you couldn't afford the Macs, though, and you could afford the Studio, which are a couple to a few hundred dollars less, and they're still full-size over-the-ear headset, then you know a lot of people are going to opt for those because the majority of the people aren't going to be able to afford the price point at the Macs. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Right. Um, moving on to um, another company that I know a lot of folks really like, uh, Amazon. Do you guys think we're going to see any changes in the Echo devices? They announced that you know that uh, A Lady has been a what was it ten million dollar loss uh, over wow. the last years, you know, several wow. years. Um, so, do you think we'll see less Echo devices start coming out, or how I do hope so. Think <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope so because I can't keep them all straight. Like yeah. some uh, Amazon events are dropping 30, 40 new Echo devices. No wonder really? it's losing money. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Well, yeah, uh, there was that one, I think it was 20, 2021, where they dropped like a clock and two or three different types of the Echo. So maybe not 30 or 40 different types. I've, it is very possible that I exaggerated, but it's never just one new Echo device or two new Echo devices. And because of the longevity of all of the Echo devices, like I've got uh, three or four of the Echo third generation. I don't have a need to upgrade to the Echo fourth or fifth generation. We do have a, a Nest Hub in our house, so I I just hope they slow down a little bit and let people better understand the options available. They had an interesting uh, theory with all of the Echo devices, and that is sell them for super cheap. That way, they can then have everyone using their services, which would make them a lot more money. This was their theory. So they're always selling a new version of, you know, the Echo devices, you know, and then people will use their services, you know, whether it's music or whether it's ordering stuff through Amazon or whatever the case may be. So I wonder now if, we're not going to see less hardware, but we're going to see the hardware cost go up since they're losing so much money. I mean, I don't think they're going to get rid of the A-Lady. I think they may need to pivot a little. And mm-hmm. like with inflation and everything else going on, I wouldn't be surprised if they just start charging more for their hardware. And they may streamline it a little bit where there's maybe not so many options. You might see like a dot. You'll see something in the middle and then, you know, one or two versions with the screen. And that'll be it. You know, you're not going to see all these different you know, models of every different kind of hardware. They'll probably streamline it and then they'll probably raise the price a little bit. Right. That's just a total guess. That's my opinion. I could be totally wrong. Who knows? Well, that's no, why that we're here for, sense. that's why we're here for predictions, you know? 
Because we don't. They do have a drone that came out. I think it's like a year or two ago, which was pretty cool. It has this dock, and you train the drone, and it knows to go to its home, which is the dock where it flies back to. And what it's supposed to do is every so often it flies around your house and it patrols your entire house, and then it goes back to the dock, which is its home, and it charges. And then if anything were to ever happen, like it hears a door open, a window open, something break, like a window or anything like mm-hmm. that, it flies immediately to that door or window or whatever the case is, and it just sits there and hovers, and it sh- starts shooting video right away and captures the video to the cloud. So that's kind of cool. You know, I mean, wouldn't, it be, wouldn't it be neat if, there, if somebody created a drone that could guide somebody that's blind how to get from point A to point B? That'd be awesome. That would be amazing. That would be so the- neat. There are some technologies out there, not necessarily with drone technology, but you know, smart mobility aids. And I, I've never tried one, so I can only voice my opinion on it. It would be awesome, but I, I don't think anything's ever going to give up either a cane or a dog guide. I don't, I don't think so either, but I think it would be an, a, a, um, an, an addition to those tools. You know, it's always talking about the best tools in the toolbox. So I think if you could have some kind of a device that, you know, I'm trying to go to this place, you know, and you're walking, you know, you can, it's almost like you walk behind it and it just guides you there. Think about this scenario. Let's say that you do have a drone that can do that, right? The drone is capable of being able to fly at your face level or maybe a little bit higher than that. You get to a corner where there's a BNC intersection, and the biggest fear is even though the light turns green and the flow of traffic changes, you're always concerned that someone's going to bury through that right-hand turn and you're going to be stuck in a precarious position. But if you had a drone with a camera on it that was able to see what you can't see at your face level and let you know whether it's 100% safe or whether there's a car that's going to bury through that right-hand turn and put you in a precarious position, that would be huge. Well, or, or, or that the drone would take the hit before you would. <laughs> that too. Can you imagine a drone that could tell you what the surfaces are looking like ahead of you? That'd be cool, too. To where it will tell you, you know, oh, mostly flat or be careful of construction or I don't know. There's just so many opportunities for that. I think it would be really, really cool. I agree. You know, and I want to see we're going to have to wrap this up before too long, I think. But, you know, Apple has always been talking about their AR VR headset and I think there's so much room for that for helping people that are blind because they've done so much with accessibility with the voiceover, the magnifier app and all these things that we didn't think that they would be, you know, going into. So it's possible if they actually are building a headset that that would be where we would, you know, go with accessibility and maybe we can scale out from there. Uh, So do you guys think there will be an Apple headset this year? I would hope so. That'd be amazing. I would hope so. I don't know. It's one of these things where it could go either way, honestly. All right. So um, I think that's going to, I think we've kind of talked about the the amount of the topics today. Um, and if folks are listening, you know, uh, we would always love your feedback. We are, you know, we're working on changing our social media. So we'll be back with you guys more with uh you know, how to get in contact with us again. We're going to have to 
rebrand a lot of this stuff, but I'm sure if you find us here on YouTube, you can do that. I accessibility on YouTube, uh, iacast.net. We'll have a contact form up there by the time that, uh, um, you hear this podcast. So you can send us feedback there and we're probably going to have a feedback at iacast.net, um, that can go to several of us as well. So, um, I would, you know, I would like to thank everybody for, for listening, but, as we always do on these podcasts, it's time for our picks of the week and contact information. So, Lauren, would you like to go first? Would you like to give us your pick of the week and how people can find you online? Sure. Um, my pick of the week is called... Well, I guess um, not weeks anymore now. We haven't been doing weekly episodes oh, in a long time. Oh, my goodness. That's yeah. right. So sorry about that. Um, so my pick would be... Um, it's a type of cane, and it's called a D-cane. Um, and essentially it is a small business, um, and they create high quality, more, I guess, durable canes. Um, it has a really nice grip and a nice, um, handle. I think it's a little bit easier to use and more, uh, convenient. Um, in addition, it kind of looks like the shaft would be, um, almost like an NFB cane, except that it's a lot more bendy and durable. So I really, really like it. It's a little bit lighter than the traditional straight cane. Um, and it works really well. Um, everyone that I've spoken to with, uh, the business has been super nice and, um, they're pretty affordable. I'd say they're like 20 bucks a cane, I believe. Um, so that's my pick and, um, maybe we can pop that in the show notes, a link to that. But, um, Sure. As as to where you can find me, um, I'm kind of doing some rebranding uh, myself. So if you'd like to find me, you're welcome to find me on Instagram at uh, Lauren underscore Bradford underscore 22. Um, and then you can also email me, although my last name is changing. So it's kind of all over the place. Um, that's the best way to get in contact with me right now is Instagram. Excellent. So, Marty, would you like to go next? Sure. So, I will talk about an app that I just discovered that I've been using, which is super cool. It's called AirBuddy for the Mac, and it's a utility that sits in your bar up on the right side. And what it does is it shows all of your Bluetooth and battery devices. So your AirPods or any other device that you would have on your network. So it could show uh, your phone, your tablets, your buds, anything you want to add to it. It could show you can connect by just clicking on it really quickly. It could show you battery status. It's a great little app. It's super awesome. So I've been having fun with that. It uh, has some great features it does work with voiceover, so that's really awesome. Uh, yeah, check it out, everybody. It is uh, a cool little app. And you can reach me at unmutepresents at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, that's it. And, you know, I just realized that I think all of us here are Mac users, which is cool. Really neat. Yes. Um, Michael Babcock, what about you? What What's your pick and where can people find you? 
So I had a totally different pick until this morning when it was announced, and so I'm changing it up on everyone. I'm not choosing Keyboard Maestro. See what I did there? I got both of them in there. Anyways, I am picking <laughs> Blind Shell and more specifically the Bard application on Blind Shell. Uh, this has been the number one requested app for the Blind Shell Classic 2. Uh, everyone has wanted it. Of course, as I tell people, I told people on the Unmute episode that we dropped, I'm going to tell people on, on Double Tap and every other place that there are some improvements that could be made but for a first iteration of the software i'm super excited that it's available it's easy to interface with you can go download your books to either your internal memory or what they call external which is the uh, micro sd card and it's available in the app catalog now and if you don't see it right now give it a couple of hours as it slowly rolls out so again my pick is bard on the blind shell classic 2 you can reach me at payom p-a-y-o-w-n at iaccessibility.social on discord uh wait no that's not on discord that is on mastodon i'm at payon on discord but i don't remember the numbers uh and twitter and everywhere else and probably producing content for iaccessibility all right and everybody should know what my pick will be because, you know, I'm just obvious like this. My pick this time is going to be ChatGPT. Are you surprised? Are you really surprised? Shocker. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not at all. Not even a little surprised. <laughs> so ChatGPT is an online um, ch- uh, chat bot made by OpenAI where you could – it's made as a dialogue chat uh, option where you're supposed to be able to type to it and get language and figure out how to th- say things. And it, it's really good for blog posts and things like that. It'll write poems, all kinds of things, but I like it because it will write code for me, which is, you know, obviously the reason why I like it. Um, but you could go to chat.openai.com. That's chat.openai.com and sign up for an account. And you can, uh, once you're signed up, you can log in and chat with, uh, with this system and it's really neat. Um, highly recommend you try it, check it out. You'll be surprised with the things it'll tell you. It will give you occasionally wrong things. So just be aware of that. Um, so just phrase things correctly and you'll be good to go. Uh, so chat.openai.com really neat service. As for where you could find me online, I am Mike Doeys on Twitter. I am Michael Doeys on Facebook. If you want to find me there, uh, I'm on pretty much every social media network. My Mastodon is uh, at Mike Doeys at Techopolis dot on uh, dot social. That's Mike Doeys, M-I-K-E-D-O-I-S-E at Techopolis, T-E-C-H-O-P-O-L-I-S dot social. So um, you can find me at all of those places and hope to see you there. Uh, I want to thank everybody for being here. I hope you guys enjoy our changes to the network and all the news that we've had. Thank you, Michael, Marty, and Lauren for being here with me today. And I look forward to being here with you guys on other IACast episodes. And, you know, we'll have other folks that are hosting these as well. So uh, this has been great. Thank you so much for everybody being here. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the IA cast. We hope you enjoyed the show and found the conversation to be insightful and informative. If you have any feedback or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Please send us an email at feedback at IACast.net. You can also follow us on Twitter at IACast Network to stay informed about new episodes and other updates. Don't forget to check out more great podcasts on the IACast Network. IACast.net.
thanks for listening, and we'll see you again soon.